You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. I'm here. Aaron is here. Mike Jones from USA Today will be our guest. He's got a story out this morning on Trent Williams with a bunch of quotes from Trent. We're going to catch up with Mike, uh, a good friend and one of my favorites. Uh, He'll join us in a little bit. Lots of stuff to talk about, starting really with the NFL game last night. And I'll, I'll, I'll start with this. It's the best uniform combination you can see in the NFL. You know, the, the, the throwback Raider uniforms with the silver numbers, white jersey, silver numbers, I love. And then, of course, the powder blue char- Charger uniforms, the best uniform in all of the NFL. All and of sports. All of, I'll go with that, too. And it was a really good game. Yeah, excellent football game last night. I missed the first half because I was taping that uh, Redskins Showtime uh, show that I do for Channel 4 that airs Sunday at 11.30. Last night, Clinton was off, so it was Mike Jones, who will be with us shortly, John Keim, uh, George Wallace, and yours truly. Um, We always have a fun time on that show, Uh, but I missed the first half of the Thursday night game. Several of you tweeting me, your boy Phillip Rivers, he's sorry, he's done. I guess he threw two picks in the first half. He looked really, really really terrible early on. Um, But they came back. They had an 80-yard drive in the fourth quarter to take the lead um, on a pass, a third and goal, I think, pass to Austin Eckler to give them a 24-20 lead. And then they couldn't stop the Raiders. Ten plays, 75 yards for them over the final three minutes. And Josh Jacobs, a candidate for the Offensive Rookie of the Year, the back from Alabama, um, had a third and one 18-yard run for a touchdown. And the Chargers, they missed the extra point. The Chargers got it back. Had plenty of time, all timeouts left, and they could not get into field goal range. They barely budged. In fact, they ran, on that final drive, they ran seven plays for five yards total of offense. They got a fourth down defensive hold, which gave them a new first and ten from their own 30. And, you know, in this day and age in the NFL, when you get the ball back with that much time, and by the way, Gruden made a Gruden-esque you know, family Gruden-esque clock management error of the highest order, which I'll get I'll get to here in a moment. But um, in the NFL, when you get a team down two or three, in this case it was two because of the missed extra point, and they're starting at their own 25-yard line with a minute left and three timeouts, I would bet you that it's better than 50-50 that they'll win the game more times than not. Almost any team. You know, but especially a team quarterback by Phillip Rivers with Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon on the team. They gained gained five yards on seven plays, and the five yards they gained were on a penalty. Phillip Rivers on that final drive was 0 for 8. (laughs) That's pretty hard to do in this day and age in the NFL. Now, he was getting pressured on a lot of those plays, um, and and he just missed a couple of guys, but 0 for 8 Rivers was on that final drive. That's not Phillip Rivers-like. I, I just love Rivers. I've always loved Rivers. I consider Rivers along with Marino um, in that, you know, on that list of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game not to win a Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowl-era quarterbacks. Marino's number one. You know, Marino um, – is number one. Now, Marino got to a Super Bowl. Rivers would probably be on the short list of quarterbacks, all-time quarterbacks that didn't even make a Super Bowl. You know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, other quarterbacks that would be on, you know, Dan Fouts, another Chargers quarterback, never made a Super Bowl. Um, 
I can't really come up with the list I'm uh, right right now off, off the top of my head, but uh, Rivers is up there, right? Rivers is up there. Rivers is a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Some of you argue that with me on occasion. I'll bet you any amount of money that Philip Rivers ends up in the Hall of Fame. Um, but in terms of quarterbacks who have never made it to the Super Bowl, Fouts, Rivers, um, Romo? No. I don't know why. I don't even know why I came up with Romo there. I wouldn't put Romo on that list. Uh, man, that's actually an interesting question, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of going blank here. So i got to pull up the standings and look through various uh, quarterbacks. Um, Steelers, no. Ken Anderson is one of the all-time great quarterbacks that never made it to a Super Bowl. Warren Moon, Randall Cunningham. Warren Moon's on that list. I don't know if I'd put Randall on that list. I'd put Bernie Kosar on that list among the great quarterbacks to never make a Super Bowl. Uh, Sonny? Well, Sonny, of course. Yes. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, I'm, I'm really thinking more in sort of the post-merger yes. era. Yes. And Sonny, Sonny's career, primarily in terms of the the real production of his career, was pre-merger. Uh, Eagles. Randall Cunningham. Interesting. Um, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we could do this another day. I just try to think off the top of my head, but... Um, Rivers is at the top. Rivers is way up there on that list. Yes, along with a, a former I, I just Charger up, great. Yeah, I just pulled up a list and oh, they, you did. They they had. Um, I Re- mean, the, the names are like Mark Brunel. There's not a lot of read me li- the read me the list real quickly. Oh, I just uh, because it uh, it isn't an easy list to come up with. I mean, I think I just came up with a bunch of them. Yeah, so they they have it as Fouts number one. Fouts is yeah. Morn Moon number two. Sunny number three. Randall, number four. Bernie Kosar, number five. Mark Brunel, number six. Dave Krieg, number seven. Dave Craig, yeah. Seattle's yeah. quarterback. Yeah, Philip Rivers, number eight. Uh, John Brody, number nine. Yeah, and please. Jim Hart, number ten. Okay. Um, I can't see, personally, Dave Craig being on that list. Um, uh, Bern- Kosar's a really good one. Philip Rivers would be further up that list. For me, is Ken Anderson? Did you say Ken, a- Ken Anderson? Anderson was not on this. Anderson's got to be. A- I just realized this list is also from 2013, so that probably factors oh, in as okay. well. Yeah, because yeah. Rivers has got to be much higher up on that list yes. now. Um, I think it was Sonny, obviously, but again, I was thinking more sort of post-merger. Sonny had a, uh, you know, in 70, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74 was his final year. But, you know, at best he was splitting time, even though, though he had some great games. Here we go. I, I splitting found, time with Kilmer. found one from ESPN from earlier this year, actually. Okay. They have Philip Rivers, number one. Okay. Warren Moon, number two. Dan Fouts, number three. Tony Romo, number four. Romo is on the list. I, I You know what? He probably deserves to be on the list. Yeah. Jim Hart, number five. Jim Everett, number six. Oh, come on. Everett? Jeff Garcia, number seven. You know what? Garcia had a lot of production. Yeah. They have Jay Cutler, number eight. And then Randall Cunningham, number nine. And Jeff Blake, number ten. Warren Moon is is very near the top of that list. Sonny, what was your number ten? Uh, the number ten I just said was uh, it was uh, Jeff Blake. Jeff Blake? 
Really? Jeff Blake, he had a long, didn't he have a long career? Yeah, he was in the league from 92 to 05. Jim Hart, you know, the Cardinals quarterback. By the way, he was the mm-hmm. backup quarterback here in 1984, I believe. Maybe it was 80, the 85 season um, behind Joe Theismann. Jim Hart was a great 1970s quarterback. He really was. A, and the Cardinals had some really good teams with Terry Metcalf and Jim Otis and Mel Gray. Um, and a really good offensive line with the likes of uh, Conrad Dobler, et cetera. Um, but um, Cutler, nah. Everett, no way. He would- Moon, yes. I guess Cunningham, you know, on that list, I think probably he deserves to be on that he's, list. He deserves to be on did, that was list. Was Ken Anderson? Any, did, not on that one, no. Ken no, Anderson's got to be on that on list. list. I don't think Yeah, Ken Anderson's yeah. got to be on that list. Um, Ken Anderson was one of the more productive and high-efficiency quarterbacks. He was ha- – Ken Anderson, I'm going to look this up. His career – um, in terms of completion percentage, he was way ahead of his day with high completion percentages. I'm going to pull this up right here. Ken Anderson, all right, uh, played his entire career in Cincinnati, had a 16-year career. Uh, listen to some of these completion percentages. In 1974, 64.9%. That was unheard of for back then. Um, it was 64.9% would be really good for today. Uh, but he was doing it in 74. He was over 60% in 75. 70.6% in 1982. That record held up until, I think, Drew Brees a few years ago beat it. I think it was Brees who beat it. He was 66.7 in completion percentage in 83. And by the way, the Bengals in 82 and 83, high-scoring team. Ken Anderson was a really good all-time quarterback. He, his career started in 1971 in Cincinnati, finished in 1986. He's always debated, by the way, as a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. He's not. In the era of not passing the football with very you know tough rules, um, you know, if, if, allowing the defense to basically mug receivers for most of his career, 197 touchdowns, 160 interceptions. He would be he'd be way up on that list for me. Oh, the problem with it? My fault. Duh. <laughs> I'm an idiot. And probably you guys were screaming this the whole time. Ken Anderson made it to a Super Bowl. <laughs> he lost to the 49ers. I'm just thinking about it right now. Um, he, in 1981, in the 81 season, the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl, lost to the 49ers 26-21. That was the first Walsh Super Bowl, and the Bengals that year played in that outdoor frigid game at Riverfront against the Chargers in the minus 59 below game. That was really a long uh, effort to try to convince you that Ken Anderson should be on a list, but he shouldn't be on the list because he actually made it to a Super Bowl. My fault. Sorry for the delay there. Uh, Last night's game was awesome. It was an awesome game last night. And I think, for all intents and purposes, it ended the Chargers' hopes. You know, they're only 4-6. and six. I guess they could go 10-6, and six, theoretically. Um, their schedule, though, they've got the Chiefs next in Mexico City. They still have games against the Vikings, another one with the Raiders, another one with the Chiefs. 
you know, they I guess they sort of control their own fate if they were to win out and go 10 and 6. They really needed that game last night. Um and they didn't come through there late. Uh but I I, I thought that was a good football game, certainly the second half part of the game that I watched. Couple of other things real quickly. Um and this is not a Friday where we've got a lot of Redskins, but we have the Trent Williams report from Mike Jones. I got a couple of other things Redskins related as well. But how about this report from Ian Rappaport late last night? Did you see this, that Deion Sanders is a candidate to be the Florida State head coach? I love it. Oh, I I do too. Just just from a sheer entertainment standpoint, God, I'd love to see what a Deion Sanders-led football program would look like. I completely agree with that. Here's the report from uh, Ian Rappaport. Uh, which is the way Zabe says it every day for Ian Rappaport. I didn't just stutter uh, through that. Uh, Rappaport, by the way, you know, he's good. He's active. He's not always right, though. Um, But he gets a lot of it right. Uh, Those guys, are they have a tough job. To me, I sort of appreciate the guys that will just wing it and throw it out there and be, you know, 80% sure and just roll the dice. Because ultimately, you know what, most people don't remember that they were wrong. They remember their big gets. I don't know. Maybe the, you, you remember their big misses. I remember Rappaport's big miss. Do you remember the Rappaport big miss when he reported that the Redskins were going to trade for Tony Romo? That they were going to offer like it was like, uh, I forget exactly what was involved, but it was like a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a key player for Romo coming off back surgery. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Um, obviously, that didn't happen. But anyway, here's what he reported about Dion last night. NFL Network analyst and Hall of Famer Deion Sanders has emerged as a candidate for the Florida State head coaching job, sources tell me and Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network, a fascinating situation that could unfold. You know, Deion has zero coaching experience, um, head coaching experience, zero coaching experience altogether. He's never coached a position group in college or the NFL. He hasn't played in the NFL now since 2006 finished his career in Baltimore in 2006. You know, by the way, if you missed this, the reason that people are talking about him for the Florida State job is they fired Willie Taggart last week. Taggart, by the way, they paid off $18 million of his remaining deal. Like, here's a university, they're losing money in their football program the last year, uh, it was reported. Last year was their first losing season since 1976 in Taggart's return. And they just said, yeah, uh, Willie, we don't really like you anymore. Uh, we owe you $18 million. We made a few calls. Here it is. And they paid him off. That is quite the golden parachute. You know, you coach for a year and a half and you get $18 million to leave. Anyway, imagine prime time as the head coach at Florida State. It would be so entertaining. So entertaining. Um, by the way, the other thing about them, They have fallen so far in such short order, and it's ruined the ACC because the ACC needs other programs to be competitive. They don't have any other than Clemson. I don't know if we've talked – have we talked about the uh, Orange Bowl catastrophe on the show yet, on this show? Because they have a guaranteed spot and Clemson's in the playoffs. Yeah. So who would go? Right now it would be like Wake Forest or Virginia. I kind of feel like we've seen Wake Forest in the Orange Bowl before, haven't we? Yeah, a while back, but yeah. Oh. Like it would be like a Virginia or someone like that right now. Uh, Wake is 7-1. and one. Yeah. They, they lost to right. Louisville. It, it would overtime. be Wake as of now, but who well, knows. 
How would it be Wake? They wouldn't play in the ACC they, championship. They don't game. have to necessarily take whoever plays in the ACC championship game. Oh, so if Clemson beats say Virginia and Wake only had well, Wake's going to have two losses because they're they're going to play Clemson. Right. So let's say they have two losses, they could take Wake. Well, the ACC is horrible. Yes. Um, Miami's really good on defense, and I think Pitt's really well coached. Narduzzi does a really good job. You know, Pitt right now is six and three. They lost to Miami sixteen to twelve. I don't know how that happened. They played Penn State really tough early, and they got blown out by UVA in the opener. Anyway, why are we talking ACC football? Prime time, prime time at Florida State. I want to see that, and now I've decided I want to see something else too. Did you follow this Antonio Brown story yesterday? Yes. So Antonio Brown, it was reported early in the day that the NFL was going to sit down with Antonio Brown next week. And then Antonio Brown went off on Twitter. He wrote, quote, Imagine conforming to a system giving it 100% to see them treat me like this is unfairly. I think he struggles a little bit with um, with. Punctuation, for one, words, uh, grammar, uh, verb conjugation, lots of stuff that A.B. struggles with uh, in his tweets. Making money off my sweat and blood. F the NFL. I'll never play in that S. Treat black people the worse. Clear my name and go F yourself. That was him early in the day after it was announced that he was going to meet with the NFL next week. And then he backtracked later on. And then he had this tweet. I'm just very frustrated right now with the false allegations and slander to my name. I love football and I miss it. I just want to play and I'm very emotional about that. I'm determined to make my way back to the NFL ASAP. That was a much better written tweet um, with good punctuation. And I'm guessing that Drew Rosenhaus may have had something to do with that tweet. Or maybe Drew Rosenhaus wrote the first one. And that's really the true A.B. He's got so many issues right now. He's ill. I'm not a doctor. All right? I'm just a keen observer of the human condition, Aaron. I like to, I fancy myself to be that. Um, I'm, I'm being sarcastic to a certain degree, although I do find it interesting to sort of look at people and try to understand what they are. He is, he is suffering from something. It's some sort of, you know, bipolar thing. It's some sort of anxiety depression thing. Um, it is certainly narcissism, you know, textbook narcissism at the highest level. He needs help, like desperate help. But what I did decide in reading his backtracking late last night and assuming that he's going to meet with the league, that if the league were to clear him to play, and last week, I don't know if you read this, Seattle, before they signed Josh Gordon, they were actually interested in Antonio Brown. I want the Redskins to sign Brown. Definitely. Definitely. How much lower could this thing go? You got seven games left. Imagine A.B. is cleared by the league next week and the Redskins sign him and he suits up to play against the Jets next Sunday. I mean, we need some action. There's no action here. You're, you're just rooting for chaos at this point. I'm rooting for just a reason to watch. And Dwayne Haskins is a reason to watch. And, of course, that would be a reason that most of you would say, don't do it. He would ruin Haskins. You know what? If he's going to ruin Haskins, Haskins is going to be ruined anyway. 
I actually think it would be really interesting to see how Haskins deals with A.B. Wouldn't it be cool if A.B. comes into the team and he's not getting the ball in the first half and he blows up on the sidelines and Haskins dresses him down right there on the sideline. There's a shot of it and he's pointing at A.B. and he grabs A.B.'s face mask and he says, sit down, I'm the quarterback. That would be kind of cool to see. Um, No one... No one is going to watch this team. Haskins gives you a reason to watch. I was thinking about this, by the way, a week from Sunday, BTW. Um, next Sunday could be the worst crowd of them all. There's not going to be a Jet contingent more likely than not, except for maybe some of the Jet fans that live in the area that are like, oh, man, I can get in for $4. Like, I can get into that stadium for 4 bucks and have a decent seat, which will be true. Like, if you wait until shortly before kickoff, you'll be able to get into that stadium and maybe get paid to go to the game by the time you get to 1 o'clock next Sunday. But more likely than not, not a lot lot of Jet fans. Is Haskins going to really bring them out to see his first start at home? Yeah. I doubt it. This could be like a 30,000-person crowd next Sunday. And, you know, you need good weather, too, this time of year. Like, if it's cold or rainy... You're not. It's. It could be the worst. The Lions game definitely could be awful. That could be truly awful. Is it? So I just uh, on a whim here. I, I looked at what the ticket prices were already for that game. It's it's fifteen dollars to get in right now on StubHub. Yeah, I said four by game. Yeah, by kickoff. By, by kickoff. And I just checked. Uh, granted, this is a little bit different situation, but I checked the Jets Giants game. That's this weekend. Hundred twenty dollars to get in there for two terrible, terrible. Who's teams. the home team in that game? Not th- that it matters. I think it's technically the Jets. Okay. Um, do you, I, I, look, they have the Jets, the Lions, the Eagles, and the Giants are their four remaining games. That Eagle game right now, if the Eagles are in the hunt for the playoffs in December 15th, I think it is, that'll be like the finishing game last year. It'll be all Eagle fans. Um, the Lion game probably out of the four, just because of the New Yorkers that live in D.C., Jet Giant fans, even though both teams are terrible, the Lions game is the one that has the potential to end up with like fifteen to twenty five thousand in the crowd, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm all for AB now. I'm all for that. Why not? Uh, quick word about uh, mybookie.ag. If you want to bet some football this week, you can start tonight. There are games tonight. Lots of college hoops over the weekend. Uh, mybookie.ag is reliable, and that's what you want. There's so many shops out there, so many places you can go to that aren't reliable. I've done the research. Mybookie.ag is fair, reliable, fast payouts, quality lines. Um, they're up there with any other sports book. Try my, mybookie.ag out. It's important where you play. It's important who you bet on, but it's important that when you're placing that bet, you know you're placing it with a place that is legitimate. That's mybookie.ag. If you go to mybookie.ag and enter my promo code, uh, Kevin DC, K E V I N D C, they will double your first deposit. So go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code Kevin DC. You'll play, you'll win, you'll get paid. A couple of other things before we get to um, Mike Jones uh, on this day here. Um, I was thinking, you know, on the bye week, uh, do a little bit of Redskins here that is not Trent Williams related. Um, and the, the, the subject is this. You know, we're sitting here at the bye week, nine games into the season. 
what has gone well for the Redskins this year on the field? Like, take all of the front office stuff, all of the coaching changes stuff, shove it to the side. What's gone well, and what's, like, the worst thing on the field that's happened or the biggest disappointment on the field? For me, Aaron, the thing that, you know, and it's you're going to think that I'm being flippant here, and I'm not. Tress Way is going to be an all-pro punter this year. He is going to be a Pro Bowl selection. He's going to be an all-pro. He leads the league in punting average. He leads the league in net average. Tress Way is really, really good at his job. Gets a lot of opportunities. I understand that. But also, a lot of opportunities to fail. You know, and he's leading the league with 48.4 yards per kick. The net is 43.8. That leads the league as well. Um, just an impressive guy, too. You know, this is a guy that's really smart. He creates board games. He's an entrepreneur. He's very creative. And I was thinking about Tressway because you see this in other towns, other football towns. The longtime kicker or punter that's successful that ends up having a 15-year career or so in the same city, he's going to have a really good professional life, potentially, after he's done here, if he stays here. You know, he's a good talker, he's smart, he's engaging, he's got personality. This is now, believe it or not, year six in Washington, you know, out of Oklahoma. Sixth season, hasn't kicked anywhere else, there's no way they'll get rid of him, you know, and he's having... A great season. Tressway is the best thing about the on-field product right now for the Redskins. Terry McLaurin, I've really enjoyed. You know, I think they actually found something there in the third round. But be careful with going nuts over Terry McLaurin at this point because so far in this NFL season, he's 51st in receptions. 57th, excuse me, in receptions. 31st in yardage. You know, it's not like he's killing it. You know, statistically, of course, a lot of that has to do with what's around him, the quarterback play, etc. The biggest disappointment as we are sitting here on a Friday during the bye week, for me, is the defense. Everybody thought the defense had a chance to be significantly improved. A lot of you thought that this defense was going to be like top five. A lot of they, a lot of people out in Ashburn thought it. Rob Ryan thought it. De- uh, uh, Josh Norman thought it. Um, you had people, you know, uh, Landon Collins thought it. You know, you had a lot of people talking about this Redskin defense like it was going to be a shutdown, lights out defense. Is there anything, Aaron, that's been a bigger disappointment about this football team than them defensively? I mean, other than just the sheer utter chaos of this year, but that's not. That, really I'm, I'm taking all of that and putting that to yeah. the side on the field. Yes, yes, on the field, it's hard to argue that one. I mean, Payne and Ionitis and Allen are really good. I do believe that. I don't know if Fletcher Cox or Aaron Donald are in that group. The next one of those, but they're good players. And by the way, I would guess that it would be Deron Payne. I think he's got a huge upside. Um, but they stink on defense. They've gotten better here in recent weeks, uh, although the final drives of each of these games against the 49ers, Vikings, and Bills, they've been embarrassing. 49ers ran six and a half minutes off the clock on their final drive. The Vikings, eight minutes plus, all runs at the end of that game. The Bills, that final drive right down the Redskins' throats. Um, you know, the 49ers, what would they have done on a clear field and, you know, a more playable field? Probably something better than what they did. 
They're 31st in third down defense. That's improved from where they are. It's still terrible. Um, their secondary isn't very good other than Dunbar. Collins has been okay. Um, their their pass rush has really not been uh, very good at all from the outside. Montez Sweat's been a disappointment so far through nine games of his rookie year. Ryan Kerrigan, you know, there's going to be a decision they're going to have to make on Ryan Kerrigan at the end of this year. Ryan Kerrigan, more likely than not, they're not going to enter. They're not going to let him enter that final year of the deal um, with the possibility of making it to free agency. Although I wouldn't be super concerned about that, but don't be surprised. And by the way, I think most of you would probably be disappointed if they extend Ryan Kerrigan in the offseason with a year left on his deal, which I think they would have done with Trent Williams you know, had he played this year before the final year of his deal. Ryan Kerrigan's okay. And I, you know, I, I'm a bigger fan than Ryan Kerrigan than than my buddy Cooley, who's always suggested that, you know, there are just too many plays that that really knock him down from, you know, elite or great to just, you know, uh, you know, a, a good player. And I would agree with with respect to him being a pass rusher. He's certainly not elite. Don't be surprised if Ryan Kerrigan gets signed to a contract extension at the end of this season. I'd trade him. I would have traded him before the deadline. I would have traded him last January. He's got some value. Could have got gotten something back. But they view, you know, they have this real strange way of viewing like faces of the franchise. Like that matters with, you know, with the face, with the voices and words that come from people like Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder, like a face of the franchise is going to make a difference. Ryan Kerrigan, I don't know if he's the face of the franchise. John Allen, to me, should be the franchise face moving forward. He's about the the smartest, most mature, young guy in the league I've had conversations with in a long time. And, oh, by the way, really good as a player. Um, Biggest disappointment so far this year has been the defense. And maybe, you know, going back to last January for me, that they didn't reboot this thing from the jump, which obviously would have looked much better now had they done that. You know, had they gotten, you know, draft choices and had a plan, like Miami's got a plan. Although their plan, they better be careful with their plan if they keep playing Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, the Dolphins want to lose. They keep playing Ryan Fitzpatrick. They may not lose as much as they think they're going to lose. By the way, John Keim had yesterday that Darius Geis is not going to start when he comes back, that Peterson's going to remain the starter. I'm okay with them moving him into the lineup, you know, sort of, uh, you know, on a slow basis until he's comfortable and they know he's healthy. But eventually, you get to the final four games this year, I don't care what Peterson has going for uh, himself. I want to see Geis take the majority of the snaps. I do think that Adrian Peterson has some incentives he can reach with you know, a 1,000-yard season. Um, I think I was told that by somebody recently. I don't want to – I'm pretty sure I was told that recently by somebody. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking now as to who it was. But Adrian Peterson's at 491 yards through um, through nine games. He's only played in eight, uh, eight of them. Over the final seven, if he were to go for, you know, another 509 yards and get to 1,000, I think there's a big bonus in there for him, which, by the way, based on some of the reports about his financial troubles, um, I'm sure, you know, he has that uh, in mind um, there. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, – oh, I wanted to mention one other thing before we get to Mike Jones. Two things. One – Kawhi Leonard 
Doc Rivers. Kawhi Leonard uh, back last night against Portland, had 18 points in the fourth quarter. Second time he's had 18 in the fourth quarter, they won the game. And did you see this, Aaron, that Doc Rivers got in the, in the Clippers got fined for not handling the load yes. management uh, situation? Initially they said yes, but you know what got him were the post-game quotes from Doc Rivers and Kawhi Leonard were both essentially admitted that Leonard wasn't hurt and that they were just managing his minutes through what we all know, what we all know now, uh, this new phenomena over the last couple of years that Popovich, I think, started with the Spurs called load management. Um, I guess they'll just keep taking the fine because Kawhi said after the game last night, God, he is spectacular. Kawhi said after the game last night, uh, they're managing me, managing me well, um, and we're going to continue to do it this way. So they may continue to get fined. One last thing. We have to talk about LSU-Bama real quickly before we get to Mike Jones. I can tell you it's not in the smell test. Um, I These games that they've played over the years have been so mammoth going into them, and most of them have disappointed. You know, Alabama's won eight of the last nine games against LSU, Aaron, and they've shut out LSU three times, and LSU in their last nine straight up. I was at one of them in Baton Rouge, the overtime game that they lost. It was Leonard Fournette's first game, by the way. Um, they haven't scored more than 17 in any of those games. But this is a different LSU team. This is an LSU team that comes with that guy Brady from the Saints. They have revamped their offense. They, they are explosive. They've got a quarterback for the first time in Joe Burrow. Um, and I cannot wait for this football game tomorrow in Tuscaloosa. Bama's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. It's not going to be in the smell test. If I leaned one way, I'd probably lean Bama. There's some public public action on LSU. Um, we're not going to see 9-6 to six or 10 to nothing in this game tomorrow. We're going to see a shootout, I think, for the first time in a long time, Bama-LSU. Over-under total tomorrow, 62-and-a-half, 63. Different world. Different world. Different game tomorrow. Cannot wait for that. Uh, who do you like? Are you going to bet it? I probably won't bet. I th- I do have to bet it for a pool that I'm in. They they have a couple games that everybody has to pick. You can pick any games, but there's a couple you have to pick. I'm leaning LSU right now, mainly because there's some reports that while Tua is good to play, he doesn't quite look like Tua. And if Tua isn't Tua, I don't know if Alabama can keep up with them. So I'm leaning that way, plus getting the points and all what. Really, it's not a coin flip, coin flip game, but almost amounts to one. I generally lean that way. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you where, as far as money goes, I'm generally avoiding this game. Yeah, I'm going to avoid the game, too, I think. Um, can't wait for that game. Maryland, by the way, is a 43-and-a-half-point underdog against Ohio State. I don't know. Maybe you know the answer to this. Have they ever been this big of an underdog ever? Uh, I do not know the answer to that. My guess would be no, because this gigantic lines in conference games is all a fairly new phenomenon. Yeah. You never saw it this high before. So I can't imagine them, but if you tell me, you know, there was at some point a game, I could I could buy it. Chase Young is out, suspended for the game. If you don't know who Chase Young is, he's probably a top three NFL pick next year, and he's the best pass rusher uh, in college football. Plays for Ohio State, went to DeMatha here locally. Um, Back to the LSU-Bama game for one second. If you're a Redskin fan, you want to watch this game tomorrow. If you weren't planning on it, you should be if you're a football fan. Seven of Kuyper's top 15 on his big board are in this game tomorrow, which basically means that there's nearly a 50-50 shot that the Redskins' first-round pick 
uh, in next year's April draft is going to be playing in this LSU Alabama game. Uh, one last thing before we get to Mike Jones, how about the Capitals? I, I just want to mention them because I had Joe Beninati yesterday on the radio show, and he essentially said in the 16 games they had, they had played, they had only really not had a chance to win one of them. Um, they beat Florida last night 5-4, to four, came from behind again, fourth time in their last five. They've won five in a row. They've won, uh, I think it's nine out of their last ten games. Um, the Caps are rolling best record in hockey. I know in hockey it doesn't mean anything to the postseason more, more times than, than not. But John Carlson, who um, is a great dude, everybody that knows him loves John Carlson as a defenseman. He's the fourth leading points guy in the league right now. All right, quick word about Stamps.com, then we'll get to Mike Jones. Uh, Stamps.com is something we here at the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast use for our mail uh, for our mail service, essentially. Why? Because it saves time and money. Anything, anything you can do at the post office, you can do at Stamps.com. It eliminates trips to the post office, saves you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. And especially now during the holidays when the post office is extra busy with people sending holiday cards and gifts, you want to use stamps.com. Here's how you use it. You just use your computer. You print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once the mail is ready, you just hand it to your mail carrier or you drop it off in a mailbox. It's that simple. With stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. It's a no-brainer stamps.com. It's no re- there's no doubt that the reason that over 700,000 small businesses are already using it is because it saves them time and money. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Sign up for stamps.com instead. There's no risk and with my promo code Kevin DC, you get a special offer that includes a 4-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale with no long-term commitments or contracts. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Kevin DC. That's stamps.com, my promo code Kevin DC. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. All right, I mentioned uh, the Mike Jones uh, USA Today story earlier in the show, and now Mike Jones is with us. And I was with Mike last night. Watch us on Redskins Showtime, Sunday morning, 1130 on Channel 4 here locally. So um, you had quite the Trent Williams uh, story this morning. And, you know, I think I said to you at one point last night, I'm like, you know, eventually people are going to get sick of this story. But if he keeps talking, you know, there's going to be, you know, uh, there, there are going to be moments where we're going to sit back, we're going to read his quotes, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it. And, and, I, and I wanted to do that with you. you. You had a couple of quotes in there from him that I thought were interesting. The first one, he, he responds to, I'm assuming, the Redskins investigation or call for an investigation, third-party right. investigation. And he says, quote, if I felt like they were genuine, I'd be all for it. They're not doing it to find out what went wrong. They're doing it to cover their butts. And then he says, quote, mine isn't the only situation they got wrong. There are a lot of situations they could have looked into. Why didn't they do it before now? Why didn't they do it in Colt's case? Uh, Referring to Colt McCoy's broken leg and the subsequent surgeries he had after the broken leg last year. And then Trent finishes, and they keep putting out these false reports. That's never helpful. I just feel like regardless of what the findings of the investigation are, they're going to try to find a way to paint me negatively and make themselves look better, closed quote. 
All right, go ahead. Give me what what you thought in tone and in words, your reaction to you, to the story you wrote in your conversation with Trent. You know, I, I think he was very genuine. I've known Trent since he came in the league as a rookie in 2010. I mean, we've had conversations about non-football stuff, about life, about, you know, fatherhood and, you know, everything, you know, kids. And I've always found him to be very genuine. I wrote the story last week. Um, my my point of view at the time was just that like there's a lot of dots that don't connect, and I, there's still dots that don't connect. But he he hit me up and was like, "When have you known me to lie? Um, what dots don't connect? You know, ask me whatever you want to ask me, and you know I'll do my best to explain whatever it is you want to understand." Um, and one of the questions was, "Okay, why aren't you you know you know this investigation? Why not do the investigation?" He explained that. They're like, look, the Redskins have known this is a problem. They've known my concerns for quite a while now, and they never acted very concerned. They were always very dismissive. They wanted to paint it off as being a money grab. I said, well, wait, you had asked for a contract extension. You had asked for guaranteed money. And he explained, yeah, I had a two-hour conversation with Bruce Allen over this. Um, and, you know, I was very angry that they didn't seem to have, like, any desire to take care of me when I've put them first for so long. He said, but the breaking point was not only the, the cancer scare, but when after that, nobody ever still said, we're sorry, we got it wrong, we wish we had done something differently, and instead it kept on, they kept thinking and painting it as it was a media, a money grab, and then leaking that to the media when I knew that there were details only two or three people knew, and it wasn't me or my agent, and so that's where it really was upsetting to me. Um, and so that's where Trent came to the realization that, you know what, the bridge is burned here. Um, there are people in this building that I still very much respect, but there are other people that I really don't trust, and I just need a fresh start. You know, um, it's funny because this morning when your story broke, um, for whatever reason, and I'm just noticing it right now uh, as I'm doing the podcast, for whatever reason, and it may have been the link or whatever, I only got half the story, and now I'm reading all of these other quotes from the story for the first time. So for those of you that listened to, to the radio show this morning, um, that's why I didn't see uh, a lot of the other quotes uh, in this story. But, you know, he... There he, has been a bug with Twitter lately. Um, I, have, I do know about that, so that's probably why. Yeah, because only half of it came through, and now I have the other half because I just reopened it. But anyway... You know, he talks about, you know, the scary situation again um, with you and what you just said um, and, you know, specific to the, you know, the original quote that I that I read um, from the story where he said they keep putting out these false reports. Was he being specific to Charlie Casserly's report, which I'm sure he thinks he got Charlie got from the team or, or were there more? Well, he said, OK, when this first came out. Remember, we, we heard this, that he was unhappy with something back at OTAs. We knew there was, there was some story about, you know, some vague things about a health scare, um, the two, you know, the growth. Um, and then there was also, then the story came out about him wanting more money. And um, that persisted, um, that yes, he was, you know, and then there was even a report at training camp, I think the Washington Post, was that Trent, according to the report, that his camp had said, they asked for more money, then they asked to be traded because of the health thing, and then they said more money would make everything better. Well, Trent says that is false. And he's like, that's what he's saying. That stuff came from people who, you know, that didn't come from our camp, 
And the way that they continue to paint this as a money grab thing is the thing that lets me know that they really aren't genuine in any of this. You know, he says about the Charlie Casserly report, who in Casserly said that he missed an appointment that was scheduled for him three years ago. That was the Casserly report. He said, right. quote, to you, they started putting poison pills out there that it was just about the money. The talk about me missing appointments, I'll tell you what it was. It was scheduled for a Thursday. I went on a Friday. I had just gotten it off by a day one time. Well, was that one time three years ago or not? Do you know? That was that was what he was saying in response to that report there about the, the missed appointment. Um, well, Charlie Castle said missed appointments. Um, but in Trent's mind, um, that was the incident, and he's saying that he's saying that that's more part of the smear campaign. Now, look, I had heard some people that there were times over the length of his career where you know they would be tell Trent, "Hey, come get treatment for various ailments," and he would show up in the training room like ten minutes before you know heading to a meeting, and they'd be like, "Trent, this isn't enough time." Um, so you know, there there's been stuff like that that has always you know gone on that. You hear that I heard this summer. I'd never heard that stuff before, but you know, whenever there's something at stake with this team, there's always some type of you know skeletons or, or, or smear or whatever you want to call it, um, ugly details uh, or negative details that come out there. Um, was there anything? I don't know. Was there other appointments that were missed? I don't know. Um, but um, that's what Trent had to say when I asked him about that. So in reading through a few more quotes, he said, quote, I felt like things could have been resolved, but then the Redskins resorted to the blame game. I stayed quiet about the situation because I want to maintain that level of respect. But there were some details coming out that only a couple of people knew, closed quote. You know, one of the things I said this morning after reading the the first few quotes that came through um, is that. You know, I don't think we found out about this or any of the medical um, suspicions um, until we heard from people who were speaking on behalf of Trent. Am I wrong about that or not? Um, There was one, I think there was one, uh, I can't remember who put it out there, around OTAs, one little thing about Trent had something, he was upset with the doctors. I thought may have been may have been Jay may have been it may have been Jay Mike now that I think of it it just occurred to me that maybe Jay alluded to it initially when when right. Trent didn't show up something right right but I right but I thought that he thought he had cancer and he was scared and it turned out he didn't then we found out he actually did have a cancerous growth um, and and that you know and then from that point on it was always that kind of went away because there was no clarity and does the contract matter continue to persist? And I, myself, was under the impression that Trent, like Melvin Gordon, like, you know, Le'Veon Bell, like these were guys who wanted to make sure that they took matters into their hands and made sure they were taken care of financially um, rather than playing on these non-guaranteed deals. Um, You know, and then you hear other sides of this thing. You know, it's, it's interesting you're younger than I am, so I'm going going to assume that you haven't had any of this stuff, but maybe you have. Um, but you get to a certain age, um, and maybe when you are fair-skinned like I am, 
Um, and you're going to the dermatologist every year, which is, by the way, a really good idea for any of you out there. Aaron, listen to me. You should go to the dermatologist once a year um, because skin cancer is always better caught early than late, like any cancer. But there, I've had like three of these basal cell carcinomas cut out of my skin. Like they're, It's cancer. It gets cut out, right. but basically they cut it out so it doesn't get to the rest of your system, and there, it's... I don't want to call it benign because it's actually, you know, a type of skin cancer. But I, I am actually really intrigued as to, you know, we, we heard Trent, and by the way, I'm not disputing for a moment how scary this situation was. I was, I, I think, I was one of the first last summer to 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 uh, sort of say that from from the people that I had talked to, he had been told to get his affairs in order, um, which was really, you know, no one ever wants to hear that. But um, did right. you get into any of that? about the specific cancer and how serious it really was and, you know, how close he truly was to it becoming something that was life-threatening. We didn't talk as much about that because he had explained in front of his locker last week the type of cancer it was, and I read, you know, up on that. But he did say that when they went in there, they didn't know how deep it had gone. He said, you know, and I talked to, uh, you know, other people who felt like, okay, it wasn't that dramatic. Now, Trent, when I asked him about that, he did say, no, it actually wasn't just in the skin, and he was told that it was weeks away from penetrating, um, you know, going to his brain, from getting through the bone into his brain. Um, so that's, that was his feeling, um, and it didn't sound like he was making it up. And also, you know, it's, you know he has shown people pictures where you've got um, three, you know, 75 staples in your head um, and 300-something stitches, you look at that, and, I mean, I had knee surgery this past off-season, and um, I tore my patella tendon, and I had the bandage on there. One day the bandage fell off. I didn't realize I had 24 staples in my knee, <laughs> and I almost, like, passed out. So, I mean, that's <laughs> scary stuff, and it was yeah. just the knee. You have cancer. Everybody reacts to stuff differently, so you can't really say, oh, well, he wasn't really that scared. No, if you've got a bunch of staples up in your head and they tell you that it was close to going to your brain if you hadn't got it caught, I think that I'd be freaking out too. So a couple more things on this. Um, the, the Colt McCoy um, analogy that he tries to make is not a good one because Colt McCoy did not hold out and Colt McCoy did not accuse the organization of negligence. No. You know, so that's no. really not, you know um, – uh, something that really uh, um, that connected for me um, anyway. And the other thing, and by the way, you and I both have sort of been in the so same boat. I mean, we're two, three years running, uh, it may be longer, of not yeah, rarely, if ever, try, trying to defend the organization. And I'm not attempting to right. do that now because I don't, I don't know the facts. You know, like all of these things, there's one side, the other side, and the truth, you know, usually. Exactly. But but the thing the the thing about it is like it, just going through this over the last several months, I actually think from the Redskins' perspective, they really didn't talk at all, you know. And the yeah. first statement we heard from them was this request for a third party investigation, and Trent didn't speak directly until last week either, until that Thursday presser right. a week ago Thursday. And in reading through your story, you know he really is upset about not only the lack of a diagnosis or urgency in, in, in communicating that diagnosis or the, the um, urgency to get it checked, but he's really upset about sort of these false reports that have been put out 
on him um, by the team. And I don't know. I I, I don't. I don't see where we know that the team in the past they have gone after people with anonymous quotes and and right. and been mean spirited like they were to McLuhan, even though probably they had every, well they did they had every justification to fire him with cause, but still they went low road, you know, with McLuhan. I don't really get the sense personally from you know living the day to day of this as a media member and as a fan that they really went low road on this. Do you? No, we'll see. I think in his mind, when details came out about, you know, him asking for a trade or asking for money, and he's like, well, I didn't talk, and I know my agent doesn't, didn't talk, and every single media person I've talked to has the same frustrations with his agent that he is not a guy when you're like, look, I don't know how many times I hit him up saying, look, this is what I'm being told. I want to make sure that you are fairly represented. So can you please let me know if this is true or false? And the guy did not respond. And I asked Trent about that. He said, well, that was by design because he wanted to be professional. So when Trent's like, okay, well, somebody's talking, and I know it's not my camp, so why are they putting this stuff out there? You know, I don't get the sense. I never got the sense that they were out there to let's make Trent look bad as much as they were more so like, um, like, come on, like, let's come on, Trent. Maybe frustrated, not malicious. Um, and dismissive, maybe so. Um, but again, there's dots on both sides that don't totally connect. I think that he was trying to say, um, you know, the Colt McCoy, Alex Smith, Darius Geis, he's saying, like, look, there are medical, so many medical situations where they've gotten injuries wrong, guys have had surgery, they have setbacks, they have infections. Like, why is there always something with the medical care here where something goes wrong? You think back to Malcolm Kelly, um, you know, those years. Like, every year there's always somebody who is gets some type of injury. They're told one thing, it winds up being worse, so they come back and they have a setback. So that's what he was saying. I don't think he was saying that, um, you know, Colt was done wrong, just that there's, there's negligence or, or too many mis- mistakes with their medical care. And he felt like, why doesn't this team look into this and decide, okay, do we need a new approach with our, our doctors? But at the same time, I said to Trent, so who is it who told you that it was a cyst? And he was like, look, man, these doctors have families. I don't want to smear the doctors and whatever. Um, so he's very thoughtful in that regard. <laughs> but his frustration, I said, well, who is it? And he said that Bruce was the one that he thought was the most dismissive and and continued to paint him in a bad light. And that's who he felt like was at the root of the, the, the disconnect. Yeah, and you know, if anybody said that about Bruce, none of us would, you know, discount it as a very good possibility that, you know, he was not, you know, he didn't handle it appropriately. Three more on on this. First of all, you just started to answer one of the questions that I was about to ask you, and that is, who are the doctors? Are they team doctors? Like, is it Casalero, who's truly a team doctor, or is it, you know, their partners from Innova? You know, who is it that, that repeatedly, as, as you wrote, repeatedly classified the growth, growth as a cyst? Uh, you know, without naming names, did you get a sense of whether or not they were actually team doctors or independent contractors through Innova or one of their other health providers? Uh, you know, I don't know. That's why I wanted to know. Like, maybe it wasn't the team doctor, or maybe it was some. But 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 he he wouldn't give me that answer there. Yeah. I know Castellero was one. Now he said, I said, Doc, I got it. He said, I remember the day and exactly what I said. I said, Doc, 
I got a lump on my head, and I think it's a tumor. And he said, no, nah, I think that's a cyst. And when he said, he asked to go to a dermatologist. Now, I don't know where the dermatologist was, but that dermatologist told him that they thought, they, well, he said, I asked to go to a dermatologist. They told me that it was probably a cyst. Um, you know, so I don't know. I do know at one point, you know, he, he mentioned, you know, going to an over, but I don't know if that was the actual team doctors, because that's why my question was, wait, so was Casalero practicing at Inova? Was it, you know, the doctors from Inova that are the partners? Which one was it? Um, and I couldn't get that insight into where it was because Trent was like, look, these guys have families. They have been, they're nice people. Um, it's not my issue. It wasn't, you know, obviously they got it wrong, but, you know, it was all mishandled, and he feels like it starts at the top. Yeah, because... I don't know. Does the team have an on-staff dermatologist? No, that's what I, I Yeah, I mean that so. would be and weird. That that's where he said he said I asked them could they send me to a dermatologist. Um, so that's what made me think. Okay, that okay. Who do you guys know that I should go to? Um, you know, but yeah, because you know, know again, because in you know. Not. Everybody in that's listening to this, everybody either has direct or indirect experience with misdiagnosis, you know, and there are right. avenues to, you know, and recourse you can recourses you can take to sort of, you know, if there was an injury, you know, if there was a true injury, if there was a true negligence, you know, he can take action against these people, even though he doesn't want to ruin their lives. That's that, you know, that's what they have insurance for, by the way, you know, there's a lot. Yeah. So anyway. Um, ultimately, last thing on this, two things quickly. One, why didn't Bruce trade him? B, I think Trent should have just let this investigation get pursued rather than cut it off because we wouldn't have heard anything about this for over a year more likely than not. And he would have been in a new place already playing it, you know, at that point. Yeah, um, my, you know, why Bruce did not trade him because Bruce, is always determined to win, um, you know, um, and he wants to do it his way. Um, that's his track record. Um, people, that's you know, he's got a, a, a vindictive streak to him. History shows, um, and he, he, Bruce did say when asked about it. Now he would never go into the medical stuff when asked about it. You know, not interviews with me. I tried to get, I tried to get him to. I gave him a rundown of what I wanted to ask, and he did not respond. Um, but he has said before, I think it was uh, Sherry who sat down with him at NBC4, and he didn't go into the medical stuff. But he said if he's going to play football, it's going to be, in 2019, it's going to be with the Washington Redskins. So he was firm on that. He, you know, and I know that from the Redskins' standpoint, look, you're under contract. You know, you will play for us. They don't want to set a precedent of, you know, players strong-arming them into new contracts or, you know, trades or whatever. But at some point... You know, underestimating the situation, they could have just, if they traded him, this would have been done. They would have moved on. They would have had the compensation already. Trent would have had, you know, his new start, and this would have been over. But instead, this is something that's going to continue to hang over them until the offseason when, you know, they trade him before the draft. Yeah, the one thing I would say is I think even if they had traded him, he would have held a similar press conference that he held in Washington in, in his right. new place, and then the Redskins but would have called for the done. investigation, and it would have been – I think I, – I, I don't know that we would have avoided this conversation had he been traded. Is I guess, No. 
No. I, I think there still would have been this, and you would have still been writing about this this morning after a conversation with him, unless he just decided not to talk, which actually, in hindsight, Mike, really probably would have suited him best. That's what he probably would have just said. And that's what I, my, my feeling is that if he had have just gotten a resolved either apology and changes or if they traded him, I think he would have just kept it quiet. Maybe um, you're right. But it was, you know, that's just what I gather from, from Trenton, how I know how he is. All right, I know you got to run. Um, you're also doing Seahawks 49ers uh, out in Santa Clara on Monday night. Have a good trip out there. You're going to see a great game. We'll talk soon. Appreciate the time. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, Mike, three, two, one. Mike Jones, uh, everybody. I, I like Mike as much as anybody I've liked in the media over um, many years now. He did such a great job covering the team for the Post. He's doing a really good job as a columnist for USA Today. Um, he's just a good reporter. He just really is, and he's actually a terrific person uh, as well. Um, he had to run to do another radio interview, but I, I want to read just a couple of more quotes from his story that I'm just reading really for the first time. As I mentioned, when I was doing radio earlier this morning, for whatever reason, only half the story came through. Um, but there are a couple of other quotes here that are actually interesting from Trent. Um, quote, um, about the money, um, you know, he doesn't deny that he asked for a contract extension early in the offseason. And he told Mike uh, in, in this story, quote, I knew I was coming up on a year with no guaranteed money, and I wanted to open the conversation about them making me a Redskin for the rest of my career. I understand that either a team wants the player and will extend him or they'll send him somewhere so they can get some value for him. I told Bruce, I understand that we're in a rebuild, and if you don't want to dump any more money uh, in the O line, I'd like to go somewhere that I'm wanted. I still felt like I've got five to six more healthy years left of quality football. Um, that quote is very interesting because forget the acknowledgement that he wants more guaranteed money. Um, uh, the, the fact that he said, I understand that we're in a rebuild that may have really pissed Bruce off because Bruce hasn't thought that they were in a rebuild. Um, the other part of this, just to be really fair to Trent on this, it is not unusual, even with two years left on a deal for a player of Trent's caliber for for more money in the contract on the back half of the contract to be guaranteed. Because for the team, in most cases, they know they're going to play out that contract. They did it for people like uh, John Jansen. Remember, the, Gibbs got Jansen's contract extended towards the end of his career. When, by the way, Jansen wasn't anywhere near the player Trent Williams was. Clinton Portis had it done uh, multiple times. Um, so it, it was not unusual, certainly in the Vinny Dan days, um, for players to get more guaranteed money added to the end of the deal. It's been less typical under Bruce Allen. Now, from the team's perspective, Trent's been suspended twice. You know, you can never you can never discount that being a part of the team looking at Trent wanting more guaranteed money and saying, Trent, you've been suspended twice. We stuck behind you. We gave you a massive deal off two suspensions. One of your suspensions, you missed four crucial late season games for us. You weren't available for us. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will tell you with respect to weed and marijuana, you know, that these players know before they're in the program, they know when they're going to be tested. And, you know, you really, really either have to have A, a major problem with it, or B, really be ignoring how easy it is to sort of make sure you're clean for the test. 
And he didn't do it twice. Now, maybe he's got a problem with it. But anyway, um, from the team's perspective, they had that in terms of giving him more contract, more guaranteed money. But Trent's request is not that unusual. You know, um, he's yes, he's got two years left on the deal. And yes, Bruce Allen is pretty much cut from, you know, 1977, everything about him. And he is a stickler for living up to, you know, the contract. But it's not unusual in the NFL to ask for more guaranteed money at the end of your contract when you're a player of Trent Williams's caliber. Um, Williams, here was another quote, too. Uh, uh, so... Um, so anyway, Williams told Mike Jones that Bruce denied his request for more uh, guaranteed money. Um, something that you know, sort of the team brass held um, this past off season. That you know, their position that hey, he still has two years remaining on his contract, and now is not the time for an extension. I believe the team a year from now, had Trent played this year, may have given him more guaranteed money or maybe even an extension. They didn't want to do it with two years left. But Williams said it had something else to say. He said, quote, I had a lot of anger about my situation. I felt like they could have worked something out if they really wanted me. But the breaking point was how things played out with my health and how I felt like I was mistreated. I put this organization first for so long, but they never took it seriously. And I do stand for something. And I felt like it's not just a stand for me, but for future players as well. Because let's be honest, they've got a bad track record. Closed quote. Um, Anyway. So that's it on the Trent Williams thing. A really good get by Mike Jones. Good quotes in there from Trent Williams. We move on. Uh, Real quick word about our app. We've got an app now. If you're interested, download the app from the App Store on your iPhone or from the Google Store on your Android. Uh, Let me know how it works for you. If you go that route, you don't have to give up the way you're listening to the show now if it's working for you, you know, on Apple Podcasts or on Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or Stitcher. Um, Those are great ways, too. If you do download the app, uh, it also comes with, you know, an update, you know, my Twitter account, the show's Twitter account, the show's Facebook page. All of that stuff is part of the app as well. If you do download the app, please rate us. Rate us five stars, if you don't mind. Review us if you have time. It helps us uh, there as well. All right, let's get to this week's smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. Four and five last week, a four and one NFL Sunday, which bailed me out from the 0 and 4 Saturday. I forget if I mentioned this, Aaron, on Monday. But if I had given out all of the games that I liked last Friday, you know, usually I'll make a big list and then it sort of gets pared down to the games I feel most confident in. The information that I have is solid. Um, The public money information I have is solid. And there were like four or five games that I was so close to pulling the trigger on last Saturday. They all would have lost. (laughs) Every single one of them. TCU, Southern Cal, I can't even remember some of the others, but I had a miserable last Saturday because I played all those games. So be fortunate, feel fortunate that I only gave you four losers last Saturday instead of eight because it could have been eight. Um, I, You know, when I tell – there are many times I'll come in here and tell you I had a really good weekend and it could have been so much better. 
If I'd given you the other games, last week was the opposite. It was a bad week on Saturday in particular, and it could have been so much worse. Sunday, I came back with a 4-1 and one NFL Sunday for a 4-5 and five weekend. I'm 59-47-2 and two on the season. So I think we went from a high of being like plus 25 units, something like that, to now plus 12. You know, you're still winning. And we got a lot of season left. I mean, we got, you know, half the NFL season left. We've got four weeks of college football left. We've got college bowl games galore. And who knows? Maybe on the podcast, I'll throw in some college basketball games when I see a really good play. Um, That is the sport, I think I've mentioned this before, over the years that I have probably had the most success betting is college basketball regular season. But usually not until you get into conference play in January, although we're getting conference play much earlier now uh, than ever before. By the way, did you see what Jim Beheim said about opening up with Virginia? I did see that, yeah. <laughs> said it was a money grab. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but yes. you know, this is a sport that used to be popular start to finish. Of course. And now it's basically a sport that's popular for one month of the year. And it's March. Not, you and I love it yes, from the no, beginning. Uh, absolutely. But for the most part, college basketball, and you can see it reflected in television ratings over the years during the regular season. You know, people, most people, you know, the NFL extends into early February. Then you have, you know, the free agency period that starts. And it, it's become more of a, an event sport, mm-hmm. you know, the month of March. So playing, you know, November conference games, I can understand what college basketball is trying to do. Absolutely. I actually think that these heavyweights should play even more big-time non-conference games. I've had a problem, quite honestly, with Maryland's schedule over the years. 100%. You know, I I mean, I wish he would schedule more big games. Now, they have, I think, probably an unexpected heavyweight matchup in December against Seton Hall. Seton Hall's ranked 14th in the country. Yes. When they scheduled that home-and-home last year and this year, I bet you he didn't think – that Seton Hall would be a top 15 team. Um, But so, you know, as it works out for them this year, you know, they get that as a huge non-conference game. I hate their ACC Big Ten matchup against Notre Dame. I wish Maryland could play, you know, ACC teams, like traditional ACC teams every year in their Big Ten ACC matchup. You know, part of what uh, Turge would tell you is – We play 20 regular season games in the Big Ten. It's a brutal schedule, and it is when when you get to that Big Ten slate. And they start it, you know, now in December with two games in December. The two games they have this year are Illinois and at Penn State. Neither one of those two will be easy. Illinois improved. Um, And by the way, I love the way they play. And Penn State has Lamar Stevens, one of the best players not only in the league, but in the country. All right. Um, I don't know how we got sidetracked on that. I started talking about college basketball and betting college basketball. Let's get back to the smell test. Uh, Several games tomorrow that I like. None tonight. Start with TCU at Baylor. Baylor's 8-0. Baylor's just... You know, Matt Rule's a phenomenal coach. Love him as a coach. Think he's doing a great job at Baylor. They're just not that good. They're one of those teams, we see it every year, they go 6-0, 7-0, 8-0, and it's largely schedule-based. You know, they've played well, but listen to their schedule. Stephen F. Austin, UT San Antonio, Rice, that's your non-con. Now, they beat Iowa State. Iowa State's pretty good. And they beat Kansas State, and Kansas State has proven to be pretty good. They barely beat Texas Tech, 
beat Oklahoma State pretty badly and barely beat West Virginia last week. They finished with TCU, Oklahoma, Texas, and then at Kansas. Les Miles has actually got that team playing better football than most people would think. They've lost a lot of games, but some of them have been close, including the loss at Texas a few weeks ago, 50-48. to Anyway, Baylor's schedule, not that great. Baylor's uh, impressive you know, rating not that high. They're eight and zero, and they're only laying two and a half at TCU. TCU starting that freshman quarterback now. He's much better. They beat Texas a couple of weeks ago. I like TCU plus the two and a half. And one of the two big games of the day. The first one is at noon. Penn State at Minnesota. This has to be the biggest home game for Minnesota in years, right? Oh, without a question of a doubt. Yeah, I mean, they were screaming P.J. Fleck really wanted game day to be there. Uh, That wasn't going to happen with LSU-Alabama. But um, Minnesota, people are are really sort of knocking them a little bit because of their schedule. They barely beat uh, early on uh, South Dakota State, Fresno, and Georgia Southern. By the way, Georgia Southern's pretty good. Um, They have crushed people recently, but nobody great. Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland. And now they've got Penn State at home. I saw Penn State up and close a couple of weeks ago in State College against Michigan. Uh, I think they're really, really good on defense and super fast on defense. And I think Sean Clifford's not bad. He's no Trace McSorley. Um, but Penn State defensively, you know, they've been really, really good. You go back to even that Pitt game. You know, Pitt's you know been pretty good this year. They beat Pitt, held them to ten, shut Maryland out, crushed Purdue, held them to seven, held Iowa to twelve. You know, the Michigan game was twenty-one nothing at one point, and then they Michigan State, a team that really can't score, they held to seven. Minnesota can score. Minnesota's uh, very versatile offensively. I think the number's short. The public's on Penn State laying six and a half by the half point, as you should with TCU on the plus two and a half um, to get TCU to plus three. Minnesota, you should have it plus seven, but give me the Golden Gophers plus seven. Aaron, this is the biggest mystery point spread to me of the weekend, and I'll explain why, because it's probably not that obvious to anybody that's looking at this out there. Michigan State's laying 14 and a half points against Illinois. All right, Illinois beat Wisconsin. They've won three games in a row. Lovey Smith has his best season going at, at, at Illinois um, in a long, long time. Uh, there are no true serious injuries. Williams, their quarterback, has missed the last three games during their win streak. All right, he could be available for Michigan State, but it doesn't matter. The guy that that's replaced him has been winning these games. Michigan State has scored a total, a total of 10 points, I believe, in their last three games. Is it 10 or is it 17? 17, I'm sorry. They lost to Ohio State 34-10, Wisconsin 38-0, and Penn State 28-7. Now, those are three good teams in a row they've played. All right, They scored zero against Wisconsin. Illinois beat Wisconsin. How is Michigan State a 14-and-a-half point favorite in this game? And the fact that it's 14 and a half and not 14 or 13 and a half has, it's a rare thing, has the public absolutely convinced that Illinois plus that big number is stealing money. I've had Michigan State a couple times this year. I've lost all of them, I think. I'll take Michigan State and lay the 14 and a half. By the way, by the half point, so you're only laying 14. How about Texas as a seven-point favorite over K-State, 
who's on a roll having beaten Oklahoma and TCU. K-State playing really well. Texas lose, uh, lost to TCU a few weeks ago. And in Austin, I'll grant you it's a home game. They're laying seven to this red-hot K-State team. Seems high. The public likes the dog there. I'll take Texas and lay the seven. Wisconsin off of a couple of losses, laying a big number against Iowa, a team that's really good defensively. They're laying nine to Iowa. A nine and a half, excuse me. I'll take Wisconsin and lay the nine and a half. It's too many favorites there. Texas, Michigan State, and Wisconsin all in a row. Uh, Give me Duke plus eight against Notre Dame. The public loves the Irish this week um, off of that, you know, close win against Virginia Tech last week. I like Cal plus seven and a half against Washington State. And I like Miami a lot this week. The Canes should not be a six and a half point favorite over Louisville. Um, Louisville's played well recently. Miami can't really score, but defensively, Miami's very good. Louisville just beat UVA. They beat Wake a few weeks ago, and they're catching seven on the road against the Canes. The public likes the dog there. I'll take another favorite and lay the actually six and a half on covers. Six and a half Miami against Louisville. Um, let's go to Sunday. Where I don't have nearly as many games. There are a lot of leans on Sunday, but only a couple of plays. Nobody uh, is going to have Cincinnati. None of your friends will. Nobody you know that bets will bet the Bengals plus the 10.5 at home against Baltimore. Not after what they saw with the Ravens on Sunday night football. I'll have the Bengals, and I think you should too, plus the 10.5. This will be one of the bigger needs in Vegas. Uh, and, and with your bookie and every sports book uh, worldwide, they're, they're going to need the Bengals Sunday plus the 10.5. By the way, Ryan Finley starting at quarterback. The Browns are 2-6. and six. The Bills are 6-2, and two, and the Browns are laying 2.5. Public likes the dog there. I'll take the favorite with Cleveland and lay the 2.5. Um, the Panthers are on the road against Green Bay, and the public's convinced there's no way Green Bay can lose two games in a row. And by the way, they're only laying five and a half. I'm sorry, it's five right now. Uh, give me Green Bay, the public is saying. That's easy. No, it's not that easy. I'll take Carolina plus the five and a half. And then Monday night, this is respect from Vegas. It's subtle respect, but trust me on this. The public has not bought into San Francisco's undefeated record. The public's always bought into Russell Wilson. San Francisco in that big Monday night matchup against the Seahawks in Santa Clara, I thought that number, Aaron, would be three and a half, four, something like that. It's six. Vegas is telling you the 49ers are really good, and they are inviting all of the Seahawk action you want to lay out there. All of your friends, Russell Wilson getting six points. The Niners aren't even that good. Garoppolo's not that good. Come on. They haven't really played anybody. That's a big number. I'll lay it. Take the Niners. I think we're going to see Monday night just how good Nick Bosa and company are. He's not just the defensive rookie of the year. He's in the conversation for the defensive MVP in the NFL as a rookie this year. All right, recapping, TCU plus 2.5 by the half point. Minnesota plus 6.5 by the half point. Michigan State minus 14.5 by the half point there. Texas minus 7. Wisconsin minus 9.5. Duke plus 8. Cal plus 7.5. And and the Canes minus 6.5. On Sunday, the Bengals plus 10.5. The Panthers plus 5.5. 
The Browns minus two and a half, and the 49ers on Monday night minus six. All right. Um, that's it for the day. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Be back on Monday. Won't have a Redskins game to talk about. By the way, enjoy the weekend without a Redskins game. Uh, you get to sit back on Sunday and watch uh, NFL uh, from start to finish or get out and do something outside because actually Sunday is going to be a nice day. Tomorrow, pretty cold. All right, thanks to Aaron. Thanks to Mike Jones for joining us on the show today. I'm back on Monday. Have a great weekend.